Thank you, Brother Anthony. Welcome, everyone, to our Seaside service. We're so happy to be here with you guys. Take a look at the amazing view here of all of Busan. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Well, I have the honor and privilege of introducing our speaker. Her name is Pastor Anita. And she is one of my best friends. She was my maid of honor at my wedding. And I was also part of her wedding party. Um, she's also a full-time intercessor at our House of Prayer in Seoul. And she's also one of the leadership pastors here at New Philadelphia Church. She's also married to our worship pastor, John Newfield. And so they're one power couple together. If you guys want to just put your hands together and introduce uh, Pastor Anita. If you can come up, Anita. And it's her first time preaching on a Sunday service. She's preached at our Friday uh, prayer meetings, but it's her first time. So let's encourage her, guys. Um, if you can take a brief look at my husband and myself. We did not coordinate this. But, you know, we're in Korea. We're all about the couple look, right? We're wearing the same color pants. Um, yeah, it's so great to be here. It's so great to be here. And I'm really excited about the word that I'm going to preach today. And just to give you a brief um, intro, if this is your first week here at New Philadelphia Church, welcome. And um, this is actually our second church plant. So New Philadelphia Church is based in Seoul, and we have three campuses. And this here in Busan, Seaside Campus, is our second church plant, but our third campus, right? And each week we've been having preaching pastors from Seoul travel here to Busan to preach uh, the word of God to everyone here, to all of you guys here. And uh, this week I have the privilege to uh, be speaking here and deliver the word of God here. And I feel... Like every week that a preaching pastor comes here to Seaside, they, they start with a brief testimony of their background. And I think there's been a pattern here where all the preaching pastors come up here and they say, you know, they were mad, backslidden. You know, they have testimonies of deliverance from all sorts of strongholds, from drugs and alcohol and imprisonment, you know, all sorts of um, testimonies, but... My testimony is a little bit different. I grew up actually in Canada, and I was really sheltered, like really, really sheltered. And for me, um, I felt so safe at home. Home was my, my favorite place to be. And any time I stepped outside of the home, I would just be gripped with fear and gripped with anxiety, all sorts of anxieties, things like when I was young, I felt like on my way to school, I was somehow be kidnapped and I would be on the news and my parents would learn of this on the news and the more I grew up the more I went out to school to to church on the way to church on the way to school somehow I would be abducted you know not kidnapped anymore but I would be taken uh be raped all sorts of things and all these anxieties really gripped me all of my life and for me to to step outside of the home it was just scary for me. The world outside of my home was a scary place to be. And I was just so gripped with anxiety. I would go to bed with anxious thoughts. I would wake up with anxious thoughts. And for the longest time, I struggled with migraines. Day after day, just migraine after migraine. I would just be in so much distress. I would worry about everything. And I tell you, 95% of the things that I spent my life worrying about, none of them came to pass. None of them, like 95% of them. Actually, I'd say 99% of them, really. 
But I spent most of my life just gripped with anxiety and worry. And you know what? I, I just felt like the word for us today is that we really got to get rid of that anxiety. Because anxiety, if you think about it, it, it's a result from a feeling of lack. When you feel a lack of safety, there's anxiety that manifests. When you feel like this lack of, of belongingness, of, of companionship even, there's this anxiety. Wherever you go, it's like, am I going to be accepted? Wherever you go, there's this anxiety that creeps up on you, and it really is a result of lack. And I went around with this mentality of poverty. And poverty isn't just, you know, a monetary thing. Poverty just is really rooted in a place of lack. When you feel like you don't have rich relationships and you're lacking in relationships, you're just walking around with that, I lack this, I lack friends, I lack companionship. Even, you know, not having a relationship with that boy that you like that relationship with that lady that you like, you know, all these things. When you're walking around feeling like the whole world has everything put together, the whole world has everything that they need, but I don't have it, you walk around feeling, woe is me. And everything that you do, it just comes from a mentality of lack. But the good news is, it says in Psalm 23 that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And today, I want to preach from Psalm 23. So if everyone can turn to Psalm 23. And I'm sure this is one of the more uh, familiar passages for for most of us. And some of us, we've meditated upon this passage several times. It might have even been our theme verse for a whole year. And for me personally, Psalm 23 is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. But in preparing this message, I just realized... There's a tendency for us to really treat with contempt those things that we are familiar with. You know, there's that saying that familiarity breeds contempt. And in that way, I feel like, you know, passages like John 3.16, that's so foundational to our faith, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We say it over and over again. We, We say it like the alphabet. We know it. But it's almost like we feel like we've graduated from the alphabet. We've graduated from John 3.16. We've graduated from Psalm 23. And I just want us to open up our hearts to receive a fresh revelation from this passage today. And that we would not treat the word of the Lord with contempt today. Amen? If you're ready for a fresh revelation, let me just hear you say amen. 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 All right. um, Let's read Psalm 23 all together at the count of three. One, two, three. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The New Living Translation says it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. But in order for us to be able to confess this latter statement, we need to know the former. 
in order to say that I have all that I need, I will not want, I lack nothing, we got to first be able to confess that the Lord is my shepherd. Amen? We got to understand what a shepherd does. What does a shepherd do? What is a shepherd's role? A shepherd guides his sheep from pasture to pasture, making sure that they have enough food, making sure they have the water and the shade that they need for themselves. A shepherd will protect the sheep from wolves and other predators. And a shepherd, first and foremost, will care for his sheep. And just as the shepherd guides his sheep, provides for all their needs, and and really cares for them, the Lord is our shepherd, and he cares for us. He provides for us. He guides us from one pasture to another. Let's take a moment and turn to Matthew 6. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 30. Matthew 6, 25 to 30. And it reads, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. When you think that the Lord doesn't care for you, when you believe that you're less than the birds of the air, when you think that you're less than the grass of the field, the lilies of the field, you can't help but to walk around feeling like you lack something. Even the things that you need, even the things that you want, when you attain them, you still feel anxiety because you just feel like there's other areas in your life that is lacking. we got to understand that the Lord cares for us. How much more would he care for us? He loves us. He cares for us. So much so that he sent his one and only son to die so that we might not perish, but we may have eternal life. He's created each and every one of us in his image. He didn't create the animals in his image. We bear the image of God. So how much more would he care for you? He provides for the birds of the air. He provides for the grass. He provides for the lilies of the field. He provides for the creatures of this earth. But he's created us in his image. How much more would he provide for us? Amen? For so many of us, we take this passage, do not be anxious about anything, as a command. You kind of think, you pray, and you're like, you feel convicted because you're, you're just 
wearing this garment of anxiety and you're like, you know, that's not from the Lord. And you say, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I don't want to be anxious. I know my husband's on his way. I know this college degree, you know, it's going to take me somewhere in life. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I trust you. I know anxiety is not from you. I know, I know, I know I cannot be anxious, but your feelings don't follow. So we can't really take this just as a command. We've got to understand the underlying revelation that comes from this passage. And it's not just a command to not be anxious, but it's really God calling us to a revelation that he cares for us. We can't focus on the command not to be anxious. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't be anxious. But really, the root of this passage is saying that God cares for us. He cares for us, and he wants to provide for us. Amen? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, the Lord cares for you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, he cares for you. Yeah, God will provide for you and me because he loves us, because he cares for us. You know, Matthew, we just read it in Matthew 6. And in verses 31 and 32, if you take a look again, it says that the Gentiles seek after all these things. All the worries, all the, all the provisions, the Gentiles seek after these things. And the NIV says, the pagans run after all these things. But our Heavenly Father knows that we need them all. So if you are a believer, Jesus is your shepherd You are his sheep, and you no longer have to run after the provisions that you are seeking for, just like the pagans. You don't have to run after them. They're going to run after you. Provision is going to come to you. You don't have to run after the provisions. God knows all your needs, and his desire is to provide for you. He has every intention to provide for you, your every need. John 10, 11 says, I, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus telling us he is the good shepherd. He says, I know I am the good shepherd. He knows who he is. And for him not to provide for us, for him not to care for us, it goes against his very nature. So there's no anxiety that the Lord cannot provide for us or that the Lord will not provide for us. His heart is set I'm providing for all our needs so that we will lack nothing. We won't lack time. We're not running out of time. We don't lack rich and abundant relationships. We don't lack freedom. We don't lack joy. We don't lack finances even. We don't lack anything in the Lord. We don't lack health. We don't lack strength. We don't lack courage and boldness. We don't lack a thing in the Lord. Because his name is the good shepherd. He knows who he is. And so for him to go against who he is, that's just impossible. You know, I was doing some research on sheep, and it's very interesting. Sheep are probably one of the most dumbest animals in the world. Uh, They're not just dumb, but um, they have four stomachs. They're weird, you know. And I did some research. um, Yeah. I'll I'll quote the resource, you know, so, you know. Uh, It's from the Department of Primary Industries, Parks, Water, and Environment of Tasmania, Australia. So I'm thinking this is pretty legitimate because, you know, Australia and their sheep, you know. Um, You know, they're cute, 
you know, boots, right? Um, so sheep, they apparently have four stomachs. And the first stomach is called the rumen. And the rumen is filled with all these bacteria that actually is helpful for them to digest food. And without these bacteria, um, it, it can actually um, cause them to blow up because they're not able to digest the food. And uh, in the process of digestion, what, what sheep do is when the food gets into this first stomach, they, they chew the, sh- the food, it goes down, they regurgitate it, chew it again, swallow it. They regurgitate it again, chew it, and swallow it. And that's where you get the term chewing the cud, right? Yeah. Um, so they keep regurgitating, and they chew it up, chew it up, chew it up, and break it down, break it down, break it down, because their, their stomach's really sensitive. I mean, they have four stomachs. Why do you need four stomachs unless it's really sensitive, right? So they have four stomachs, and so if they eat something that the bacteria in their first stomach cannot break down, what ends up happening is that the sheep get really sick really quick or will, like, drop dead. Okay, I'm losing the effect, but it will drop dead. (laughs) It will drop dead, you know? The wrong food, and it will drop dead. But a sheep will take uh, a she- <laughs> a shepherd will take the sheep from pasture to pasture. If you're nibbling on the same grass all the time, it's going to be gone, right? And so the shepherd's role is to take them from one pasture to another. But the thing is, to our eyes and to the eyes of the sheep, every pasture looks the same. If it's green, it must be good, right? But every pasture is made up of different grasses, I guess, different species. Some may be like just filled with clovers. Some might be filled with, I'm not an expert on grass, but other grass, you know, but it might all look the same. It might all look green and really good. And a shepherd will always guide the sheep to a pasture and want to provide for them. But a good shepherd knows his sheep and knows exactly what they need, knows exactly what they can digest, knows exactly what is good for them and what is bad for them, and will know exactly which pasture to guide them to. For so many of us, we're, we're like sheep without a shepherd. We see, you know, the first signs of something good. It looks good. It must be a sign from the Lord. And we shepherd ourselves, and we're like, I see a green pasture, I'm going to go. And yet your stomach can only digest clovers, and yet... You go to this green pasture that's filled with other species of grass, and all of a sudden you're nibbling on it, and you're getting fed, and all of a sudden you can't, you're regurgitating, but then you're not really processing anything, and all of a sudden you can get really sick, or like, you know, I'm not saying we're going to drop dead or anything, but, you know, like, it, it can make us really sick when we try to shepherd ourselves. But our Lord Jesus, he's not just a shepherd, but he's a good shepherd. He knows exactly what we need. He knows all our needs. Even before we ask him, he knows exactly what we need. And he's committed to guiding us to that place of goodness because he cares for us. So we can trust in him and trust in his goodness. Amen? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And I want to say what what Pastor John said earlier was his name is Jehovah-Jireh. His name is Provider. He is the Lord who provides. That's his name. Provision is a person. And you got it. You know, if you're sick, you go to a doctor. If you need provision, you have to go to the one who can provide for you. And if his name is Provider, that means you're not limited in what he can provide for you. 
We don't have to chase after the world. We don't have to chase after our own success. We just need to be with the Lord, and he will provide for us. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Did you know that when we prosper, it actually brings glory to God? Now, if sheep are not doing well, what glory does that bring to the shepherd, right? If we're not doing well, what glory does that give and bring to our shepherd? The way that we live sometimes and the way that we pray even, sometimes I feel can bring dishonor to the name of the Lord. Now think about that. Some of us, we go to the grocery store, and we all know Pastor Caleb loves his craft Parmesan cheese, right? You don't go to a store and settle for this no-name brand Parmesan cheese when you know what the good stuff is. Right? Some of us, when we walk into a really nice restaurant, some of us might look at the menu. Some of us look at the price. Mmm. I do that. I do that. When my husband takes me out for a nice dinner, he's like, yeah, this is our date today. And I'm like, what do you want? She, he's like, you know, what do you want, honey? And then I'm like, I feel like, I feel like I'm telling him that I feel like eating something. But in that time for me to decide, I'm looking at the price. And I'm like, I feel like steak inside, but chicken. I want chicken tonight. I want chicken tonight, right? And so many times what I desire and what I speak forth is so different. And sometimes I, I have this poverty mentality where I lack the finances, and therefore I'm going to get the best bang for the buck. I'm going to get the best deal. I'm going to go for that McDonald's value meal. Never mind the Big Mac. I just want a hamburger. You know, I, I want a Happy Meal or something like that. And so many times... We aim and reach down as low as we can. And that's not honorable. That's not noble. That's a poverty mindset. Aiming low brings dishonor to the Lord. Because the way we live, it represents who the Father is, who our shepherd is. And if we're living in lack, there is no glory, no honor that goes to the Lord. And God is saying, aim higher. Aim higher. I want to highlight to you verse 5 of Psalm 23. If you can turn back to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 5. It says here that my cup overflows. When we ask the Lord for provision, a lot of times we just think too small. I'm going to say a really simple statement that's really profound if you really catch a revelation of it. He is God. (laughs) The earth belongs to him. The silver and gold belongs to me, says the Lord. The wealth of the nations belong to the Lord. He is God. And as believers, we have access to him. We can ask and it will be given unto us. 
but we ask for things that are so, that are so small. We have this break-even mentality. Just make it mentality. We might think it's an act of faith and it's really coming out of our limitations to ask God, I have all these student loans. I have all this debt for my, from my company. What I ask right now, I believe that you can, so I ask that you cancel out all my debts. And you're waiting for God to cancel your debts. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait. But we got to understand that he is God. He's not saying, all right, I want to cancel your debt. He's saying, I want to overflow your bank account. I don't want your bank account to be at zero balance. I don't want to just eliminate all your debts. I want to overflow your bank account. All the dreams that we have, we might think it's unreachable. Yet to God, it's still small. And he's calling us to dream bigger. He's calling us not just to dream big and have this great imagination of all these things that we can have, all the things that we can live out. But he's saying, look at me. You and I, we are in relationship. I am God and I can do whatever you ask of me because when you prosper, my name is glorified. When you prosper, when you lack nothing, I am honored. And so he's saying, ask for something bigger. And so many times he wants to give us according to his standards, but we ask according to our standards. And we call that faith. But he's saying, you ask not, therefore you have not. You have not so you... You have not because you ask not. And when what, whatever we ask, he gives it to us. But inside of all of us, we're like, I, I know there's more. I know there's more. I know that God is a God of riches. He's a God of glory. I know there's so much more. Yet we fail to ask of him the greater things because we're so limited in our mindset, in our mindsets of poverty, of reaching as low as possible and, and, and breaking even. That's our mentality for so many of us. And so we are constantly going from a place and a feeling of lack. I lack this. I lack that. And that just breeds more anxiety. More anxiety. Now let me ask you, if you, if you have a baller friend, like a really rich friend, and you invite them to your birthday party, you would never, you would actually expect something big and nice, right? I mean, yeah, they're ballers, right? But what if they show up with a birthday card and say, oh, I love you. Happy birthday. Here's a birthday card. And you're like, thank you. And you're expecting something bigger. You would never expect someone who's a baller to come to your birthday party and just hand you a birthday card, right? Yet, that's what we expect of God. God is this baller friend, in a sense, and he's able to give us far more than anyone else can give to us, and yet we only expect a birthday card from him. And therefore, because we expect only a birthday card, he gives to us according to our faith. And yet, at the end of the birthday party, we pout, and we, like, hate, and we're like, I can't believe he just got me a birthday card. He's a baller, you know? And, you know, and that's sort of our mentalities with the Lord. But he's not responsible. He's calling us to have faith in his ability to provide for us. If we only think he can provide this much, if we ask this much, he will give us this much. But what does it say in Haggai 2.8? I just said it. The silver and the gold belongs to the Lord. It says in Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours 
according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And he's calling us to pray in accordance to his glorious riches. Ephesians 3.20 says, He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. More than we can ask or even imagine. For some of us, we can't even wrap our minds around the imagination that God can overflow our cup. And yet, if we start imagining that, and he's saying right here, he can even give you even more than what you can even imagine for yourselves. And in a sense, he's challenging us. And he's saying, ask, dream a little. I am God. I can give to you all your needs and that much more. I can overflow your cup. Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, my cup overflows. Let's look again to Psalm 23, verses 1 to 5. It's all about provision, provision of direction, of food, of rest, restoration, safety. Verses 1 to 5 just touches on provision. But if you look at verse 6, it's all about dwelling in that place of provision. Let's read together verse 6. One, two, three. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Goodness and love here, it refers to all the benefits that we have in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we have glorious riches. And I want, us, I want to highlight the word follow me, the words follow me. And in the original text, the literal meaning of follow me is pursuit. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me. And if you think about the life of the psalmist of David, his enemies were pursuing him night and day. They were after him, pursuing him. And in that way, for us as believers, as us who are part of his flock, goodness and love are pursuing us. We can't get away from it. We can't get away from his goodness. We can't get away from his love. But so many times we chase after goodness. We feel like we have to chase after provision. Yet God is saying, no, 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 no. Stop chasing after these things like the pagans, like those who do not know the Lord. For the Lord knows all your needs, and he's saying, I am your provider. Goodness and love will chase after you. Whether you want to run away from goodness, whether you want to run away from provision and resist it, it's not going to happen. Ever have those times? I don't know. I might be speaking just to the woman, but any, any, any of you, you know, wake up in the morning and you're, you know, putting on makeup and you kind of have that thought that passes. Like, I think it's about time I get a new mascara, but it's on like the back burner almost, right? And you're just like, it would be nice. I think I need to stock up again. And then you're just going about your day or your week and all of a sudden, randomly, a friend goes, hey, um, I bought this, but I I don't really like it. Hey, do you want it? And you're like, I needed one. And you just feel like, the Lord provided for me, you know? And even when you least expect it, goodness is knocking at your door, whether you want it, whether you ask for it. He's saying, goodness, whether you want it, ask for it, or have been calling out for it, whether you want it or not, it is knocking at your door. And you're just going to be chased down by goodness, chased down by his love, 
chased down by his mercy. And we've got to stop chasing after these things. We don't have to. The enemy continues to bring us under the strongholds of poverty and of lack, telling us that we lack this, and so therefore we need to do something to gain it. But God is saying, you don't need to chase after these provisions. I am your provider. Just stick with me, and goodness and love provisions will chase after you. You will lack nothing because he is the good shepherd. Amen? Amen. I want to highlight the word forever. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That means throughout the years. That means while you are alive. It means every day. It means you don't ever have to depart from that place of provision. If you think about a cup that is overflowing, a cup that's completely full, if you leave it untouched, it will stay full, right? But you look... And an overflowing cup, there's a prerequisite. There needs to be something that's constantly flowing into that cup for it to constantly be in a place of overflow. Once that, that pouring out stops, it's just a cup that's full, but it's no longer a cup that is overflowing. And we got to understand that forever, all the days of our lives, every single day of our life, God is pouring out into us into our lives into our cup and therefore we can say my cup overflows we got to understand that he's not some genie in a bottle so many of us when, when do we actually go to the lord and ask of things it's in a in a moment of lack in a moment of crisis lord my visa is expiring in a month and the process takes three months I cry out to you. I, I trust that you are my provider. I thank you that all things are in order. I thank you. Everything's going to be good. I trust in you. I trust in you. I'm on my knees. I trust in you. And you're in this place of anxiety and desperation. And it's when you go to the Lord sort of sporadically. Every time you get to that point of lack, to that point of when you realize Something's missing in my life, and I need it from the Lord. I know he can do it for me, so I'm going to go to him. And that's good. Whenever you lack something, when you feel like you need something, you always can trust in the Lord for him to provide for you. But I want to change our mindsets to ask of the Lord every single day of our lives, to expect of the Lord a pouring out and a pouring in all the days of our lives. He's pouring out constantly onto us so that our cup can overflow. But we think as long as our cup is full, he's my provider. And once it starts going down, then you get into a place of, I lack something. It's not at 100% capacity, and therefore I'm going to go to the Lord for him to fill my cup. But he's saying, I don't just want to fill your cup. I want to overflow it. Understand that I am pouring out provisions upon you all the days of your life. Every single day. And I know for me, like growing up, my parents went through seasons of financial difficulty. And growing up, I witnessed a lot of miracles. My parents wouldn't have enough money to pay for certain bills. And then my mom would just run home and say, there's this untraceable, unidentifiable money that just showed up in our bank account. And it's a little bit more than our bills. And so we can pay off the bills. And we'd be like, God, 
You are so faithful. You are our provider. We love you. Thank you, Lord. And we would testify. And then we would go about our days. And then it would happen again. All of a sudden, my mom comes home and she's like, the Lord has provided again. I don't know where this money came from. It just showed up out of nowhere. And we thank the Lord for his miracle. But in that time between the miracle and the lack, there was anxiety. My cup wasn't overflowing. Our family's cup was not overflowing. And from that place of lack, we would cry out to the Lord. And it's great to hold on to yesterday's testimonies, but God is pouring out and into us every single day of our life. And therefore, miracles should be an everyday occurrence for us. It, didn't, it shouldn't be, the people of God shouldn't just be testifying every time we're in a place of lack and God brings us to a place of break even. Every single day should be a testimony of his provision for us, of him overflowing our cups every single day of our lives. He is not a God of breaking points. He is a God who overflows our cup and he's constantly pouring into us. And we've got to open up our eyes and receive of that overflow. And therefore, when we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. I have everything I need. It's a true statement for us. We know that God is pouring out every single day over every single area of our lives. And we cannot lack. It's impossible. My husband was sharing with me um, of when he uh, graduated from college and he went back to his parents' place. And for the longest time, he just would be like, that's my parents' house, my parents' home. And for so many of us, we kind of look at the house of the Lord in that way. It says here, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's the house of the Lord. And my husband was under this mentality that because he had graduated from college, he was away from home. It's no longer his house, but it all of a sudden became his parents' house. Though in reality, he's still their son and that's still their home. He walked into his own home as a guest. A guest can't open the fridge and eat whatever he or she wants. A guest can't just sit on the couch, lounge a bit, watch TV. You're always constantly looking at the homeowners thinking, am I walking, stepping on anyone's toes? Am I getting in the way? A guest is very limited in what he or she can access in that home. For so many of us, that's sort of the way that we act in the house of the Lord. It's the house of the Lord. God has brought me into the house of the Lord, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I dwell in his house. I'm a child of God. Yet, we enter into our own homes. We enter into our own inheritance of provision as guests. And we go to the Lord and say, God, I need this. I need that. And the Lord gives it to you. He opens up his fridge and he says, okay, you need that. You need this. All right, take it, take it. And then you get a quick fix. You get everything that you need. And then on you go again to the world. On you go, uh, go again away from his place of provision, away from his guidance, away from his shepherding. You roam about again. And then you realize Away from his presence, you got to fend for yourself. If you think about little children who run away from home, even teenagers who run away from home, 
and you're at home, your parents do the laundry for you, you know? Your parents provide you with the food. They buy the groceries. You don't have to worry about waking up in the morning and wonder what's, you know, what, is there anything in the fridge for me to eat for breakfast? And when you come home for dinner, there's dinner on the table. Everything's provided for you in the home as a child, as, as a son or a daughter in the house. Everything's provided for you. But once you leave the house of provision, when you leave the provider's home, you go out, all of a sudden, you wake up thinking, how am I going to eat this morning? Thinking, where am I going to sleep tonight? Thinking, where am I going to go today? How am I going to do this? You start fending for yourself. You start trying to provide for yourself. And it's just a life of barely getting by. It's just a life of poverty. But we also understand that our parents are not going to, like, all of a sudden change the locks. Or a good parent, you know, wouldn't change your locks and just move away you know, without telling you. Your home is always open for you. So all, these runaways will come back home, and all of a sudden they're like, I have everything that I need in this house. I have provision. And then they get used to it and then feel like, all right, I'm going to leave now. And then every time we step out of that place, that house of provision, we need to provide for ourselves. I feel like God is saying, stop providing for yourselves because it's not going to happen. And I'm saying, I'm not inviting you into my provision sporadically. I'm not providing you. I'm not inviting you into a place where you have everything you need. You just have uh, a full cup. But he's saying, I want you to dwell in my glorious riches. I want you to dwell in the place of overflow. He's saying, I am your shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And you will lack nothing in my house. The house of the Lord is my house. The house of the Lord is your house. And there's no need to depart from that house. No need to depart from that place of overflow and of abundance. The Lord cares for us. And he has every intention to not just provide for you, to overflow your cup daily on a daily basis. Let's close our eyes. If there's anyone in this room that has been feeling either anxiety or just constant feeling of lack constant feel like you lack time, you lack provision in any way. If you feel like you've been trying to fight for yourself and provide for yourself, knowing that the Lord is your provider, yet feeling like you have to do something, feeling like you have to chase after the goodness, you have to chase after the provision, you have to do something about it. If you've been feeling like you've been lacking in relationship, lacking in joy, when you think of heaven, you can imagine just a place that's just adorned with riches, a place that is filled with joy, no more tears, no more mourning, no anxiety, no worry. 
everything that you need is in the house of the Lord. And yet you look at your situation. And you just can't help but feel like you're lacking something. You might go to bed with anxiety. You might wake up in the morning with anxiety. You might feel like there's just something more. And you're just tired of chasing after your own provisions. Chasing after your own provision of jobs, your own provision of health, your own provision of relationships, your provision of success even. And you enter into the house of the Lord, but you've been entering into it like a, like a guest. But you're tired of it. You just want to dwell in that place of provision all the days of your life. And see, not just a barely getting by testimony, not a sporadic testimony, but a testimony of his goodness all the days of your life. You want to see goodness and love and your, his mercies chasing after you. Wherever you turn, you just meet goodness. Wherever you go, you just see his abundance. If that's your heart, I just want you to stand up from where you already are. everyone to um everyone who's standing um to lift your hands to heaven and this is just an act of faith as you lift your hands to heaven you're just posturing yourself in a place to receive though god is always pouring out his provisions he's always pouring out everything that we need everything that we might want even so many of us, we're not in a posture to receive, and that's why we miss out. And not, it's not so much like he stopped releasing. It's just that we're so blind to his releasing that we're not, we don't stop to receive what he's pouring out. So just stand there in a posture to receive. And if if there's anyone in here that feels like they've been struggling with a poverty mindset, a feeling of this is good enough, I'm content with this. As long as I get to this place, I'll be content. A feeling of, you know, this is good enough. I'm going to aim as low as I can so that I won't be disappointed. If you're feeling that poverty mentality on you in any way, I want you to stand up also and stretch out your hands a posture to receive. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Lord, I thank you that you are the good shepherd. Lord, you have no reservations on pouring out your goodness and your abundance, God. And Lord, I thank you, God, for all your sons and daughters who are standing here in faith, postured to receive of your abundance, to receive of your provisions, God. Lord God, I pray right now over every 
poverty mentality right now in Jesus' name. And I break it off, God. All walls and all limitations that we have set for ourselves and for you, I break them all down right now. I tear them all down right now in the name of Jesus. And I just pray right now that you would pour out your provisions, pour out your love, pour out your intimacy, pour out everything that we felt like we lacked in God, that you would just open up heaven's door right now and just release that, shower them right now with your provisions, God. I thank you that you are their good shepherd and they are your sheep. And I thank you, God, that no longer do they have to toil for their provisions. No longer do they have to chase after their provisions like the world. But, Lord, I thank you that they turn to you right now, God. They turn to the good shepherd right now, God. And, Lord, I thank you that they're beholding right now your goodness, God. They see before you your goodness, God. And I thank you that goodness and love and mercy will follow them, will pursue them all the days of their lives, God. And I thank you that the Lord is their shepherd and they shall not want. They will lack nothing, God. Everything that they've ever wanted or needed, God, is in you, Lord. And, Lord, God, as it turns to you, Lord, I thank you from this day forth. They're just going to begin to witness and testify of your goodness and your mercy all the days of their lives, God. And so, Lord, I release your blessings upon them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.